everybody, welcome to episode 170 of Not The Footy Show, I'm Warwick Nicholson, your host and the other host that with the most, apparently, that's at least what I've been told by members of his inner circle, it's Mr. Rob Cox. Hey Wazza, how are you mate? Round 13, after State of Origin and we're here. I'm, I'm in my den in uh, Camden and as the uh, listeners might be able to hear, the recorder that we generally use has uh, pooped its pants and um, we're going old school. Yeah, and I actually talked it up this week. Someone asked me uh, online, what recording software do you use? And I said, oh, Cocksmith's got the greatest uh, recording mm. software known to man. Yep. And um, I did yeah. until it until it um, decided not to work today. And it was a Tascam for anyone that know, that anyone that cares. And um, we uh, shan't be buying another Tascam. Ooh, don't drop them on the ground, just like iPhones, really. Uh, episode 170, kids. It won't be a whole lot about Origin. Uh, we've done that. You listen to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the one we did on Wednesday night in the earliest hours of, well, Thursday morning, really. But episode 170, Cocksmith, we're going we're gonna to veer a little bit away from Origin. I know we're still going to probably <laughs> refer to it a little bit, but we figure there's another week before the teams get named for Game 2. Plenty of time to talk in the future. So what I really wanted to focus on this episode was awards season. Now, I know it's June, but I think yeah. Cocksmith, there's something... Well, we know the NRL misses tricks at different times as it is, but I think one of the things that I really want to get stuck into on this episode is why don't we have more made of a couple of key awards which don't fall into that whole Dallium subjective sort of area. This is full-on players. They earn these awards, and no one really knows about them until Dallium night, and by then... No one really cares. So we want to talk about that. We're also going to cover our round 13 on our episode 170 of Not The Footy Show. The Canberra Raiders, mate, they're, they're, never, they're never out of any game. They're a fantastic side. And to be honest, I thought they were slow to start, hence we got the lead early. But they're a great side and they hung on. Two golden point games against them in one season. That's ridiculous. It is, it is. It's starting to become somewhat of a bit of a rivalry. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're few and far between these days. So it's, it's good to say that. It's good to have that in rugby league. And we definitely enjoy playing that side. They're a great side and a great outfit. And they're well coached. So it's uh, credit to our boys for getting the win today. Okay, we are kicking off episode 170, Cocksmith. It's time to go into awards season. It gives me another reason to use the prize music as well, which everybody seems to love. Mm. When I say who won the top try scorer award last year, who do you tell me it was? Um, was it Kroger or Semi Red Raja? I have no idea. Neither do I. What about the top point scorer? Well, it'll be a goal-kicking try scorer, won't it? I mean, I think it was Kroger. 
I want to say Kroger. Kroger. Yeah. Let's say Kroger. A number of tries and he kicked a heap of goals. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. But during a season, how often do you hear about who's leading the top try scoring race or the top point scoring race? Don't I don't hear about it much at all. No, you don't hear much about it. I mean, you hear little bits and little bits and pieces, but um, it, it isn't very heavily um, heavily dealt with. No. So then, on that you know way of thinking, who is the top point scorer this season, Coxman? Because I had to look it up. Uh, okay. Jeez, um, who's up there in the con- contest? Uh, well, it might be. Uh, Mate,いいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいいい
We okay. don't have to go to the local uh, crazy shop at Cairns and you don't want to support old Jim Bob McGee down there. I understand that, Cocksmith, but yeah, you should just let it go. His kid was better than your kid at football on the weekend or whatever it was. I don't know. I don't want to unpackage that. So what I want to look at, mate, there's a couple of options, okay? We've got top try scorer. Now, when I think of top try scorer, who do you think of as, like, an all-time great in try scorer? Andrew Eddingshausen. Should be the ET Award. The ET Award. Well, well, surely it would be the Gold Mervine. Who? Oh, who? Ken Irvine. Don't you oh, remember? Ken Irvine. Mate, Ken, is Ken Irvine still alive? I don't know. I never saw Ken Irvine play. Let's let's name these awards after people that we've actually seen play in the flesh. So you'd okay, give it to Andrew Eddinghausen, would you? You'd give it to Andrew Eddinghausen. Yeah, me too. Well, he's Go got the fourth can, most can, tries can, of all time. What about Billy Slater? Why doesn't he get a look at Look at it. He's still playing. Okay. Well, then, it has to be an ex-player of recent times. It's the Golden Irvine. I don't know what you're talking He's got 212 tries, got 212 tries for yeah. North Sydney. How many did you see him score? At least zero. And yeah, um, didn't, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you just killed that whole category. It should be the cold nerve on. Like, let's just get away from ET. I oh, love ET, but God. that's not going to happen. But then I reckon no. you should have a, a sub award, which is like the top try scorer for forwards. Right. right, okay. So what would you then call that one? It's got to be the Beaver Award. It's got to well, be the Beaver. The Golden Beaver, clearly, would be the name of that award. So you, you're following me now. You're getting you're getting on board now. You're understanding where I'm going with this. Yeah. Everyone loves a Golden Beaver. See, that's what I was after. That's all That's all you need to contribute to this whole segment, uh, Cocksmith, yeah. is that line then. So yeah. I was very happy. Yeah. So we've got top try scorer, the Golden Irvine. We've got top try scorer from forwards and legitimate forwards. I don't want guys who play 18 of their 20 games in the backs getting this award. Yeah. Yep. Then I want two individual awards, uh, more individual game awards. I think this, these ones in particular should be every year recognised. I want mm -hmm. top try scorer in a single game. Yep. Okay, now there would be a tie break in this situation. So obviously, if two blokes had five total tries, I think the tie break should be who scored their five tries the quickest. I think it's a fair, okay. I think it's a fair way to, to tie break that. Now that would mm -hmm. be called the Golden Burge. Have you ever heard of Frank Burge? No. Who is he? He's a forward. He played for the Glebe Dirty Reds back in another era. He had yeah. eight in one game. Mate. Mm -hmm. A forward had eight tries in one game. Yeah, he was probably a big lump. Like he's probably a fridge-sized bloke. He just bashed his way over the line. But he also had. He, I've done the. I've done the research. He had the mm -hmm. most ever hat tricks with sixteen, along with Ken Irvine. He had. He scored at least three tries in a game sixteen times. He was probably the only bloke that didn't drink on a Saturday night. Oh. So he was fresh on a Sunday. So the Golden Burge is there. This this segment's just going tremendously. You're just yeah. helping me deluxe here. Go on, go, Golden Burge. Well, Golden then we get Beaver. to the name of the podcast, which you haven't seen yet. I haven't I haven't spoiled this for everybody. But do you know who the top point scorer in a single game was in the history of rugby league? Jason Taylor. <laughs> no, not the Golden no. Taylor. <laughs> his name was His name was Dave Brown. Dave Brown, who played for Manly. Uh, he played for East. Oh, did he play for East? Didn't he play for Manly as well? Is it the same bloke? No, nah, it's a different thing. You're thinking of a front row. You're thinking of a front row. He's scored the most tries in the game. He's doing extremely well. I know the one you're thinking of. Uh, Dave Brown played for East, okay? Uh, he yeah. had 45 points in one game. Yeah. For what East. What year was this? In 1935. <laughs> mate, 1935. My mother wasn't even born in 1935, and she's as old as dust. <laughs> mate, they were my parents, mate. Um, so he's got five <laughs> tries and 15 goals, which is. Actually, 50 points in today's currency. Mm. Then about three months later, he scored 38 points from six tries right. and 10 goals, which is effectively 44. 
Yeah. Both against Canterbury. That year, East beat Canterbury by a combined score of 152 to 17 in two right. games. So, so what, naturally... What's an award going to be called? The Brown Nuggets Award or something? Mate, the Golden Brown. What more do you need? Thank you. Okay, Golden Brown. This is, yeah. this is going tremendously. We should stick to modern-day football, evidently, when I'm talking to you, Cotsmith. Anyway, do you know who the player who came closest to this uh, total points? You've seen this. You've seen this guy play. You wouldn't have seen. You wouldn't have been at the game. It's just a bit before your time in photography of rugby league. But yeah. it was. Um, I'll give you a clue. John. I probably listened to this game because I would follow that team. Canberra. Yep. Who was it? Was it? Um, was Malmeninga? Malmeninga got thirty-eight points when Canberra mm. beat East sixty-six points to four in nineteen ninety. Five mm. tries, nine goals, and I think a few. Decades later, Terry Campisi had a chance to equal that, but he gave the yeah. kick to Alan Tung and missed out on the chance. So there you yeah, go, the Golden Brown. The Golden Brown. Now this okay. gives us four awards. We've got the Golden Irvine, the Golden Beaver, the Golden Burge, and the Golden Brown. Mm-hmm. Quickly though, do you think any of those have like legitimacy? I reckon they'd be great awards to give out every year. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I agree that, that players should be commended or, or, or duly noted for their achievements. Um, I'm just not sure that anyone would like a Golden Brown Award. I, I just, you know, like I think players might think that's a G-up. If you rang them and said, hey, guess what, you've won the Golden Brown Award, they'd probably hang up in your ear. Well, that's, you know, that's just the way it is. You've got, you've got to respect the past, mate. You've got to respect the past. Mm. Leads us to, very quickly, uh, two more awards that I think should go out. Now, this yep. is for the top point score at the end of the year. Um, yep. Now, this is a really tough one. I think it's the toughest of all to, to name. Because if I said to you who was the greatest point scorer in the history of rugby league, well, the answer yeah. is... Well, it's ja- is it Jason Taylor? or no, is it, um, it's Hazem Hazem Okay. He has 2,418 points. But yep. he, had, he took him 317 games to get to that uh, score, and that was mm. at a 7.6 uh, points per game rate. The mm. guy who it should go after, in my opinion, is Daryl Halliard. In 230 games, he scored 2,034 points at 8.84 points per game. Now, okay. he didn't miss a whole lot, okay? The guy who's actually, as best I can tell, next on that, and this is in relation to guys who have scored at least 2,000 points um, in uh, first grade rugby league, is Andrew yeah. Johns. Now, you think about when you watched Andrew Johns, he was a great kicker, but he wasn't as accurate as he probably could have been. He, he seemed to, I don't know if about you, but I remember watching it, taking... I don't know. I don't think he put as much time into the goal kicking as he probably could have as some of these other guys. He ended up with yeah. uh, 2,176 points from 249 games. So he yeah. went at 8.74 clip. So that's pretty impressive, isn't it? When you consider that's uh, almost one whole point more than what El Masri and um, Jason Taylor, for example, did every year. So I think it should be called the Daryl top point scorer. And the reason I say that is because... I still consider Andrew Johns the best player I've ever seen play. So he, he, he fits into that category of just, you know, the all-time So, so what are you players. going to call this award? The Golden Immortal? No, <laughs> the Daryl. The Daryl. So are you going to give it to Halligan? I think I've got to give it to Harry, Halligan. Do you the disagree? Golden Darryl. I, th- Darryl. I, think it, I think it should be after Daryl Halligan. I mean, you think of top point scorers, he does come to mind, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I guess. I guess what well, it doesn't. He, de- well, he definitely doesn't come to mind when I think about people tackling players. People, but mate, he's a winger. That's all he had to do. Interestingly enough, uh, and people will talk about how just Jared Croker is going to break all these rules records. Um, mm-hmm. He's currently going at seven point five points per game. 
So he's actually coming in at a lesser rate than El Masri and Jason Taylor, which is interesting. He probably will end up with more points than everybody. He's about 900 points behind El Masri. Um, yeah. And he's played 117 less games. So he'll, he should he should beat it. But I just do find it interesting uh, that he's still um, that far behind in terms of points per game. Just out of interest, JT, 6.84 points per game. And Cameron Smith, uh, 6 points per game for the year. So we've got the Daryl. Last award, people. Then we'll get to talk about regular rugby league. The Sharpshoot Award, you know this one goes after, don't you? When you say sharpshoot, what do you mean? The goal kicker? Accuracy. So this is an accuracy award. So you have to keep, each year you have to kick a certain oh, amount okay. of goals to so qualify. So highest percentage. Yep. Yeah. It's got to be elegant, hasn't it? It's not. It's not. It's El Masri. El Masri has 81.97% for his career. Alright, and what's Halligan? Halligan's third from the numbers I was able to crunch with 79.31. Can you guess mm-hmm. who was second? He was often... Uh, the direct rival of Halligan for a, for a period there. Beyond Crossan. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, uh, who would it have been? It might have been um, your, your mate, the fullback, um, Matt. Um, what's his name? Matt Ridge. Manly, Manly fullback. Yeah. Yeah, Matty Ridge, eighty point two two percent. Just yeah, I went and could have had a look here, people. Uh, Luke Burt has a seventy seven point nine three percent. You would never have said he was fourth on that list, would you? No. Uh, but how many did he kick? Six hundred and forty six. That's not bad. More than Ridge. Uh, this is at least 500 like uh, successful attempts. Fitzgibbon, yep. 76.87. Ivan Cleary, 76.7. Jason Taylor, 75.24. Uh, and Andrew Johns, 74.25. Now, that's the one stat that I just was blown away by, because if you ever said who was the more accurate kicker between Jason Taylor and Andrew Johns, you would have said Taylor in a heartbeat, wouldn't I you? I would have, yeah, yeah. And yet, yeah, he no. only had a percentage of 1% better at the yeah, right. his career. Okay. Let's take a deep breath. That's a really either exciting segment if you love old stats. B, mm. you've turned off the show entirely, like Cogsmith probably would have at this stage. Just out of interest, uh, Adam Reynolds has the best of the current players. He's at 83.7%. Uh, Jared Croker, 81.3%. Michael Gordon, 80.9%. James Maloney, 82 And Thurston is 79.62%. Cogsmith, you're that excited yep. after that segment. Can you, can you talk about anything else? That segment was so dry that I need to go and get a drink of water. Sort of. We'll go get a drink of water and come back and talk some, I don't know, football after the break and I'll be sure. Not the footy show. Mate, that was as dry as <laughs> that one. When you start pulling percentages out of your arse like that, it was 81.23%. Oh, mate, come on. Oh, great. That was 10 minutes of fun. Sorry, mate. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let him go. Let him go. Can't hold me back anymore. Let him go. Let him go. Turn away and slam the door. That's what I say. Well, let him go. Let him go. Let the storm rage on. Cold never bothered me anyway. Yeah, let him go. That's what I say. Okay, we're back on episode 170, the most boring not the footy show of the season, according to Rob Cox. He's gone and got, I don't know, 17 litres of water to um, try and spit out something more exciting than he did for the last 10. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. 
Let's talk about round 13, mate. Uh, you're yep. out there at ANZ Stadium today. Uh, mate, I've been at ANZ Stadium all weekend. <laughs> mate, is it the same spot? Did you sleep in the same spot as a few weeks back? Again, parked in the same spot. I slept in the same spot. I washed myself down with those uh, wet wipes things. And um, I did other things down there in the car park. I haven't left all weekend. I, I was going crazy, but I'm back home now. Did you, did you research goal-kicking percentages? Because I hear that's the best thing you love to do. No, no, but I did Google ET and um, checked out his percentages, and it was all good. <laughs> anyway, Penrith, wow, Canterbury, ow. That's pretty much how I uh, sum up today's performance. Yeah, mate. Um, Penrith, Penrith uh, I, I couldn't figure it out. Again, at ground level, it's very different, but I couldn't figure out if Penrith were just supreme or Canterbury were just ordinary, and I think it was probably the latter. Am I correct? You are, because Canterbury just had nothing. You know, some teams you go into a game and you go, you know, if they're able to get a game to go in this direction, there might be a chance. Uh, yeah. It didn't matter what happened today. Canterbury mm. didn't have enough bullets to fire to clearly score one try, let alone the um, 10 they would have needed to beat Penrith today. Penrith were fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to put it all good. down. Sorry, I was going to say, Sorry. I was going to say, it's good to see more than in the front in the front line there for the, for the whole game rather than just in dribs and drabs. Well, this, is, um, this is the part I want to talk really about. Good with the ball that, that was really my, the, the, the point of this game I wanted to digest. And, and Kamali said something during the telecast, and look, I've got it on tape, and I might not even put people through it again. But He runs on to it. I think 5'8 actually is his genuine position. Penrith for a much better footy side with him playing 5'8. He basically, after 20 minutes of the game, I think Penrith had scored two tries. He made the declare that uh, Penrith were a much better team with Moylan at number six. Yep. Now, I get what he was saying, but it's the way he said it to suggest that, you know, in the other times that he's played number six, Penrith have been outstanding. How many games has he played at 5 eighth for Penrith, Cocksmith? Mate, are you going to pull another Are you going to pull another stat out? You are. Just I have, know you're going to pull a, a guess, mate. Have a guess. and a percentage, and we've already been through this in the break last time, okay? <laughs> well, now they know. Let him go. Let him go. Well, get, go get, this, is a, this is the kind of stat that I think you can get behind. It's 0%. Okay. Um, he's played he's fullback. He's played six before. He's played fullback, or at least been named at fullback in every other uh, performance. <laughs> yeah. And I guess what I wanted to bring up out of that is I don't think it makes a difference whether he's played. At, he, he's picked at 6, 1, 15, whatever. He mm. is just a gun rugby league player. Yeah, he is. He is, mate. He, he is a gun. I think in, in, in um, Noddy's defence... I think he was probably um, referring to the times that, that Moylan had been in the front line in the 5'8 position, maybe not so much wearing the number six on his back. But he they always look much more dangerous when Moylan is in, in that front line um, in attack with the ball in two hands and he's, you know, he's doing what he does. So I think that's what Noddy was probably referring to. But um, he is a footballer. He's a great footballer. Um, you know, he's, he's a dangerous footballer. And um, and I think when he's firing, um, Penrith are um, are much better for it. And the reason that I I guess got caught up in this comment is that he's been outstanding for the last two games that he's played fullback, and he's played that role. He's got involved when he had to. This is the this is the things that bug me I guess about trying to get a bit too clever with different things. He's just get him involved. I don't care what position he plays, just get him involved. And I think that's the beauty of what Penrith have is that we spoke about at you know, six weeks ago, and, you know, I was about the only person that was still saying, you know, Penrith, don't give up on them. They've just got to put one good month together. Well, Cocksmith, mm. this is the month. They've put it together. Yep. And, you know, I think if I just uh, pull up the uh, ladder on 
they're in front of me, and hey, look, they're um they're a whole two points out of the top eight. Yeah, no, they mate, they they they'll probably slide into the into the eight, I would imagine, if they keep that going. Although you know, Bryce Cartwright is out for twelve weeks. He was he was an he was a you know he obviously tried it at number six, but had issues. Um, I'm still not completely. I'm still not completely um, convinced by Dylan Edwards um, yet. I know that people, some people, have some massive raps on him. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I haven't seen anything outstanding yet. Yeah, I think the reason that um, Griffin's made this move, best I can tell, is he. I think he gave up on Tamari Martin too quickly. Um, I do too. But I think the reason that he has made this move is that uh, Dylan Edwards gives him another. Well, I'll, I'll call it mini Mansoor. He eats up meters like they're going out of style. And I think that's what Griffin had last year was that they were eating up meters deluxe coming out of their own end. You saw the impact of Josh Mansell today. That was phenomenal for his first game. It was great to see him back, wasn't it? Oh, amazing. Um, Yeah, great to see him get a try too. And, mate, you were right in position for that one. So I hope you you got a decent shot from the fact that you were in front of all the other photographers, I could tell. Mm -hmm. Always in position, my friend. But um, Edwards is there to, to eat up the meters, to be a battering ram, and I understand why that moves there. I think they're a better team if they've got Cartwright at six and Moylan at fullback. I think, yep. uh, you know, when he's healthy, I think that's the move they have to do. Because I think also, and I've been um, really um, singing the praises of Isaiah Yo. I think he is a fantastic rugby league player. He's been their best player all season. He was oh, amazing yeah. again today. And CHN, mate, Corey Harawira Naira, got it right this time. Yep. Yep. He's a beast. He was taken mm. on Clemmer. He was taken on Cassiano. He got smashed once, but you know, yep. those two I think have been outstanding for them. This is this is the Penrith we knew was was there. Uh, Ivan Cleary, Nathan Cleary's playing well. Mitch Rain, I'll say it right now. That's that was a, and you're not going to like it, but I think he was more effective today than Wallace has been all season. And that's not a criticism of Peter you Wallace. Just you just don't like Wallace. Well, no, it's not. Okay. It's not a criticism not of Peter Wallace. The they Pick just up. looked. They looked more dangerous today. Mm-hmm. I honestly reckon they had a dummy half. Uh, mm-hmm. But Wallace will come back into that position when he's healthy. That's just the way it'll be. But fantastic effort from Penrith. Canterbury. This is what we expected. Unfortunately, um, they're in a whole lot of hurt. Uh, but they'll find a way to have a good month in about I don't know six or seven weeks, and we'll be talking about them as being in contention for the eight again. That's the way this season goes. Any last comments on this game? No, mate. No, other than other than um, I didn't expect Canterbury to be that bad. Actually, Canterbury Bankstown. Um, but it, mate, it was a it was a great game if you're a Penrith supporter. Um, yeah, that's about all I got to say about that one. Uh, now, games that weren't good if you're a Canberra supporter was today <laughs> at Brookvale. Ricky Stewart, yeah. you know, I'm a fan of. I think he's been the best thing for Canberra in quite some time. And look, he'll be there for as long as he wants to, essentially. He's been talking about the character of this football side for a good six or seven weeks. They've lost about four games that I think they last year they definitely would have won and found ways to win. Uh, they just come off two straight wins. They sported Manly a big lead in the first half today, and you probably didn't see this game because you were at ANZ, but yeah, they fought really hard in the second half, Canberra. They were down two players. They lost uh, Shannon Boyd and they lost Dunamis Louie, so they lost two of their front row rotation in the first 10 minutes of the match. Mm-hmm. They got back into the game thanks to some good footy at the end. Rapana was outstanding. They had a chance to tie the game with a penalty goal. Croker duly uh, kicked it. Then they lost in Golden Point. The issues I have with this from the Canberra perspective is that 
now <laughs> these losses are happening a little bit too regularly. Now, I'm not saying they're out of the top eight contention. I'm not saying they're saying they're out of top four, even though this loss probably hurt them in that front. But mm. you know, sometimes you you sort of you forget how to lose, uh, which I think happened to them last year. Now I think the opposite's happening. I think the opposite to a degree is happening with this team. That they've just I think they're starting to doubt themselves in key parts of the match, and. Mm-hmm. This is a this slippery slope for the Raiders because as much talent as they've got, I still think they need a little bit more from their halves and teams, as Stuart mentioned last weekend, they've worked out how to shut down Josh Hodgson. They just split at marker and kill him, kill his time. Canberra, they're not, they're not in a great position at this point in time, Cocksmith. Hmm. Yeah, look, I, I think Ricky's got a point, though, and he obviously made a very big point in the press conference last week about yep. speaking about how teams are getting up on Hodgson and more or less, well, he called it cheating. I'd say, I'd say it's gamesmanship. If you can get away with it, um, it's up to the referees to to um, police it. Um, you know, uh, so you, you know, rugby league players forever and a day have been getting away with whatever they can. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you. It, it just seems that it, it seems that Canberra. I'm sure the effort. I know the effort would yep. be there as right. far as you know the um, each each player would be putting as much effort as they can in. But there just seems to be something missing that was there last year that isn't this year. And it's uh, by no means any players, unless it was Zach Santo, which I don't <laughs> think it was. Um, I I think that there just seems to be some little little ingredient missing. Um, and who knows what that is? But I'm sure that Ricky does because Ricky's got all of you know. He knows a lot about rugby league, and he's very in touch with his team. Um, and hopefully, he can turn the tide because I kind of like the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, um, I'll throw I'll throw a thought out here, and I'm not saying this is the right one, but I'll just throw a thought out here. One thing that Stuart uh, did extremely well in the first two years he was there was he brought in first grade talent. He brought in a lot of first-rate talent. And what that created was comp- competition. Canberra had a few injuries. They let a few players go at the start of the year that probably were in that first-grade squad and definitely pushing the first-grade positions. Um, yeah. They're not as deep as they were. Now, as a result of that, you know, complacency can sort of seep in because Dave Taylor hasn't been fit and ready to go. Just, I reckon there's a little bit of comfort level there from the Raiders that I just think they need to wake up from. I think what's they will. With, what's up with Dave Taylor? Was or I, I forgot about him. Uh, calf him? or a few different things. He just hasn't played enough football at this stage. But I mean, I, I know that Jeff Lima's time in the Suns probably over. But he was brought in to be competition there, and he hasn't had a look in really from Stewart this year much at all. I don't know. I just think there's. I remember last year, Paul Vaughan couldn't get into this football team. Cecil Wanga had to go over to French rugby. I mean. Edric Lee left at the start of the year. Sean Fenson, you know, just, you just lose a bit of that depth and that competition for spots. And I think that's what Ricky had really built there. And then you yeah. lose a couple of games and, you know, oh, we'll get them next week. I, I just, I don't know. Just a bit of a, a word of caution about Canberra Raiders. Having said yeah. that. Yeah, Go on. you're probably right, though. You're probably, you're probably on the money there. Although, I don't know if Vaughan couldn't make the team. I, I, I tend to think he might have been snubbed a little bit for some reason, for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, whether he signed because he signed with another club or what have you. No, he got but, told. He got told to leave. Basically, he said, "We can't right. have your spot here. Go, go get your money on and go play for your money elsewhere." They didn't want to play his contract, as far as I understood. That was the problem. Right. He, had, he had another. He had another year on his deal. Oh, that was a good work. Um, and he had a year on his deal next work next year, like this year, that they just next didn't year. want to pay him, so they told him to get lost. Yeah, you're probably onto something though, as far as the depth goes and the and the competition within the club goes for positions. Um, uh, but again, I think 
I think only Rick and um, those close to him probably know the real story or the real theories. Um, it's interesting watching. It's painful for Canberra supporters um, because they they do they have t- tended to lose a couple of those close ones this year that they normally would get away with. But um, you know, there's still 13 rounds to go in the season, so they can turn it around. But they really better get um, get a hurry on pretty soon. I think the element before we get off the Raiders is purely if you want to win a competition, you got to turn that around. I'm not saying whether you make top eight or not. That's really irrelevant. If you think you're a good enough team to win the comp, you can't have losses like they did today. In saying that, I've got to start respecting Manly. I am. I think they've played. Let me just look at the stats. They've played 12 games this season, Cocksmith. I have tipped incorrectly in their game 11 times. Yep. So that means that I've given them too much respect in games they've got smashed in. And the majority of the time, though, given they have a grand total of seven wins, I've uh, picked the other side. They are a, a gutsy footy side. I've got to give them yeah. credit. Yeah, 100%, mate. That, that, that's a great way to describe them. <laughs> and looking at their roster, you know, when you've got the likes of, you know, Marty Tapao and Jake Trebojevic and um, Blake Green, um, guys like that, they're, they're a courageous, gutsy team. Um, and you should never underestimate him, I would, I'd, I'd suggest. Um, is Darcy Lussick back yet? No, he's not. So he hasn't played. Uh, Travoy, it's Jay, uh, Tom's out at the moment, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Matty Wright played well at fullback today for him. I mean, he's a he's a journeyman, but he's doing the job for him. Congratulations to the Manly Seagulls. They're in sixth spot. Uh, they're looking mm. good for a top eight spot. Let's quickly get to the other games of the weekend, mate, as we wrap yep. up the show. Uh, East Broncos um, yesterday, it was good for about 10 minutes. And that was the last 10 minutes. Just... One of those games, mate, that you just wish was played not right after Origin is the yep. best way I can describe it. Um, it wasn't uninteresting. It just wasn't as good as it could have been. Mm. Uh, Cowboys got away with one against the Titans. The Titans, if they miss the top eight, they will rue this performance because they were really bad and they still yeah. were in a position to win the game at halftime. Uh, Cowboys, yeah. look, I hope JT comes back, but I can't see them doing anything come the pointy end of the season. Now, your Saints, mate, this is the game you were at. I was at the Dragons. Gareth Widdop obviously adds a fair bit to this team, but did you see enough to suggest that you guys are going to do anything this year? Or am uh, I... Mate, look, I, I, at, one point, at one point of that game, I, I, I think I may have swore and bit my lip at the same time when, um, for the 30th time in the game, Josh McCrone decided to just do something totally weird oh geez I want to say some more um, he solved every problem you've ever had mate, the Dragons can't win with Josh McCrone in the team <laughs> they can't win they can't win when I say they can't win I mean they can win games but they they, they will not win a competition like that um, geez I wish I wish Dragons had two Gareth Widdops um, because when it comes to Josh McCrone is really good when the Dragons are in their own 50, in their own half, but when it, when it turns into attack and you need someone a little bit creative or someone thinking, you know, with a straight mind, uh, it, the demand for the job is not Josh. He's not the solution. Mate, he is the Josh solution. Attack. He is the most... No, he's not. ...solvable person out there. He just he knows no. what he's doing. He has one move, mate. He has one move in attack. Mm. He, he shuffles across the field and hopes that someone runs into a short ball. That's pretty much his only move in attack. Yeah, I, look, he, he, he's, um, I think he's definitely, I think 
I think everyone knows what he's going to do. Even I knew what he was going to do the other day. Um, and I knew what he wasn't going to do. And, um, yeah, uh, frustrating. Frustrating, mate. But I'll tell you what, Russell Packer's going really well. The forwards are going really well, as they have done all year. Yep. It's great to have Gareth Whittett back. Uh, they should have smoked the Tigers by about 30 points, but they didn't. And, um, again, I can put that down to um, a couple of their choices in attack but anyway uh they got the two points that's all that matters and um next week or not next week next round is another round and um yeah we'll see what happens you got the bulldogs next week i believe on the eastern on the the queen's birthday monday great can't wait <laughs> yeah can't points wait. best uh the only other point out of this game is it's great to see tui moala lolo here yep. freed from the uh purgatory of um the warriors but I will make a point to the Tigers fans. It's great you signed him, but you didn't sign him for his defence. Just be aware of that. You signed him for his t- as attack, and he cannot read in defence. He cannot tackle. But he's, hey. he, he's a little unfit at the moment, mate. Yeah. In his defence, he's a little unfit. He's uh, He's been running around in um, uh, whatever competition. He's been playing on the wing, and then now he's going to be forced to mm. defend three in. It's, it's, it's just be temperate your expectations of what I'm trying to say to the Tigers fans, particularly in defence. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Power and the Warriors, you were at this game as well, I believe, mate. I was there. Yep. We won't talk about it much because it was very forgettable. All I will say is the difference in this game was the Parramatta Eels have heart and the other team <coughs> may not. Uh, and then the other game on the weekend was the Storm making it look easy over Newcastle, uh, even though Cameron Smith was out. That's the last point I want to end up here, mate, is Cameron Smith, there's a rumour going around that he's got a sternum injury. Now, when I say Cameron Smith and injuries, do those two words really? Yeah, no, he mix? doesn't. He doesn't usually get injured. He he, he normally uh, plays a lot of games back to back. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. Um, because Why? if it's if it's a sternum, what, what are you worried about? I'm just that could be that could be a number of weeks for the old. Uh... You're pretending. You're pretending to be worried. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, 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 no. I know you're pretending to be worried. You couldn't give a rat's, to be honest. <laughs> Because you know what it means at this time of the year if C. Smith is injured. And if he's genuinely injured, he could be out of origin. And I, the, 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 the listeners may not be able to hear this, but I can hear it because I've got my Bose headphones on. You are dancing. Sorry, I was coming back. I was just dancing over in the corner. What would you say, Cotton? Yeah. yeah, you are dancing a jig, my friend. Well, I'll say this out of, out of this. I'm not, I don't want to see a great player injured. No, no one ever does. What no, I will say is that out of origin, if he doesn't it. play Origin 2, one of the more uh, Queenslandy things that has been said over the past X amount of years is, oh, you know, you know, we've got so many players to pick from at number seven and number six and number one and number nine and etc. How many Origins did they say that Cameron Smith played on Wednesday night? Oh, was it 30? 30, 40. 30 it was 40. Okay. 40, so 39, yeah. The 40. only player I can think of that's played while he's been around is Matt Fallon, who played like two games. Yep, yep. Queensland are about to get a rude shock if Cameron Smith is not available for game oh, they'll, 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 mate, You know who they're going to pick. They're going to pick Jake Friend. Are they? Uh, they will. Who okay. else are they going to pick? This is, I, this is, this is my question. You know, you get to this point, is what I'm, my, my point here. You get to this yeah. point where you forget who the other options are. We keep getting told how many options they've got a, a dummy half. It's... McCulloch is look, there. Look, here's you know, another like... one for you. McCulloch or... I'm going to throw a curveball at you. You ready? You ready yep. for it? Cooper Cronk at nine and Ash Taylor at seven. Whoa. Now he's on the juice. Um, 
But it's just it's an interesting part that it leads me to one of the tweets I saw uh, yesterday from Martin Lang. Remember Martin Lang? I remember Marty. Oh, what a battering ram. He was. One of my favourites. Yeah, when he ran oh, yeah, down Queenslander. Rod Wishart in game one of 98. That was one of the great moments in I, 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 I'm thinking more about Penrith, you know, with the, with the crazy hair and the old man on the sideline go, screaming, go Marty, go Marty. I, I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Loves himself a bit of Marty Lang old Cogsmith. He tweeted the other day, he says, I can't believe the panic surrounding one origin loss. Mm. Calling for drastic changes and publicly criticising players is a New South Wales thing. Not ours. Mm. And then someone has responded in just the way that I would have and that most people would. And this is from Cockroach Blue, apparently. He goes, no, it's not a New South Wales thing. It's a losing thing. Queensland just forget what it feels like. Which mm. mm. is no. 100% spot on. It's Well said, Cockroach. <laughs> Whatever. It's the reality. It, you, you lose a game in that fashion. And if they lost by a point, we wouldn't be having this discussion. The yeah, fact true. is, losing 28 points to four... People start turning on people. That's just the way. It's the way it is in Origin. It's the way it is in yeah. club football. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, yeah. I just I, I worry for Queensland if, if Cameron Smith isn't there because, you know, obviously Melbourne can beat Newcastle. That's not a worry. But whew, if Cameron Smith's out of Origin too, I tell you, we have an interesting uh, uh, week or two coming up, don't we, Cog Smith? Yeah, absolutely. It's in, well, it's interesting and 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 it's fun. I think it's more fun than interesting. Um, it's fun to see the Queenslanders squirm a little. Um, like you, I don't like seeing champion players um, miss games through injury, uh, any of them, in fact. But let's be honest, uh, Queensland have had a fairly good run and um, uh, it was going to end at some stage and um, uh, may as well be now. <laughs> Indeed. Quickly, uh, at, after the, I guess, the halfway point of the season, uh, mm. it's 13 rounds in, not every team has played. Uh, yep. Every team has played at least 12 of their matches, though, so you can say that's halfway through their season. We have the Storm yep. out in front with 22 points, then Cronulla on 20, the Dragons, yep. Roosters on 18, they're the top four, Broncos, mm. Seagulls, Cowboys in five, six, and seven, and then the Eagles are in eighth spot. Raiders and Panthers on 12, Titans, <laughs> Warriors, Rabbitohs, Bulldogs on 10, Tigers on eight, and then the Newcastle Knights bring up the rear on six points. After the break, Cogsmith, we get to the prize music and some iTunes reviews. Some of the so-called football being dished up on the field at the moment is cheap, mm-hmm. nasty, mm-hmm. and downright boring. Love the footy show. Okay, we're back. It's the final segment of the footy show, and I promise it is the final segment. Had a couple of questions. I put the questions out on Twitter. Do you want us to talk about anything? And, of course, the two people that responded wanted some pretty in-depth uh, analysis from us, and as you can probably tell from the last 40 minutes... You do not get that here. Matt Tuxy still wants to know about the best ownership models, uh, the most successful, least successful, most accountable. Mate, we're not Ernst & Young or some other Deloitte or whatever it is. That requires a heck of a lot of research and information that not even you, Cogsmith, can get your hands on. Um, mm. In short, all I'll ask is, do you think a team should be owned by a private owner or a, a board or a, a leads club? Mate, I think I think either or. Um, it, it, I, I think it I think it depends, you know, and it it depends. Um, there there are some privately owned clubs. There are some owned by the NRL virtually, um, and I think it's um, uh, different strokes for different folks. I, I, I don't think there's any one hard and fast answer. Yeah, and truth be told, Tuxie, we, we just can't give you the insight that you're probably after here. What I will say is that if 
I am involved in a club and I can have a Russell Crowe type owning my club, I want that ahead of a board model because I think your avenue to having uh, more done, more tried uh, from an owner that A, loves his club, but B, probably has deeper pockets uh, and is willing to spend that money. I mean, I go back to that South Side Story thing they did back in 2006 or seven. remember that, Cocksmith, that documentary yep. they did? And, sure do. And that's a great, if you haven't seen it, people find it. I think it's on YouTube. Um, Russell Crowe just, he, he poured money down the drain in that year uh, because he realised that the club had to change its, its uh, reputation, how it was seen by people. I mean, we've obviously had a how it doesn't work with Tinkler, but the truth be told, under Tinkler, the Knights got to a game before the grand final. I'm not saying that's the right, right way of doing it, but when the money is flowing and the person who's giving that money doesn't care about where it's going really and isn't too worried about the bottom line, you can get some amazing stuff done as a club. So. That would be my preference if I was involved in a club to have a rich owner who was willing to spend money. Um, but in Australia, people we're not going to we're not going to experience that much in the next five, ten years. Maybe in the future, when people are just I don't know, someone's on Powerball or something, they'll just go crazy. The other question we had was from the NRL profits. They wanted to know about the mid-season transfer window. Look, we discussed that a few episodes ago, Cogsmith. So we yep. won't go back into that. The point they wanted to ask was about player transfer fees, and I think that is something we can probably discuss at a future date. Um, yeah. around you know what qualifies as a transfer fee being needed to be paid. And I think that's something we can explore, particularly yeah. around junior development. I've got, I've got some ideas on that for sure. Cool. Yeah. So we'll now get to the iTunes reviews, which were from not last week's show, but the week before. And mm. you know, the excitement, it just builds because um, we had two and you know, generally we've had none. Uh, one from Mighty Eel in Melbourne. He says, yeah. great podcast, never miss an episode. Put the music on and start dancing, boys. Now, yeah. the reference was that we said we would put the music on if we had an iTunes review. So thank you very much, Luke Porter, um, yep. who added himself on the Facebook page as someone who works in hotels. And then Troy uh, Schroeder, who's been a long-time listener, uh, he said, great podcast. So happy to have this podcast return. Never miss an episode. Keep up the good work, guys. So thank you, Troy. Thank you, Luke, for... Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's great. It, it actually, it's it's probably the best time of the week for us when we get to those segments and, and actually hear people listening to the show. It's, it's always a, a wonderful thing. Yeah. I Let's finish up the show here, Cogsmith, with um, an apology to people. Um, last week, as I understood, um, the Channel 9 game summary that I um, used, obviously they had um, uh, gave them credit at the end of said Wobble Sports, etc. I think they used Nickelback on that as a song. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to apologise, everybody. Apology. I didn't realise. I, I was late. I was tired. Mm. I just heard generic pop garbage and thought, mm. you know, whoever that is, doesn't matter. I'm listening to the show back. You didn't, rec didn't recognise the Paddle Pop Lions? So well, I didn't know. I did, the song didn't start with, I like your pants around your feet. I mean, that was the problem. If it had had that, that uh, lyric, I would have clearly known it was Nickelback. One but... of the best all-time lyrics, though. <laughs> oh, gee. I can't believe you know it as well. Um, just play it. <laughs> Uh, doesn't beat Hinder. But anyway, uh, Eight Wonders of the Rugby League World. We haven't got back to that yet. It will at some stage. We will. Um, we will. It's a good segment just waiting to happen. Clearly, mm. the segment at the start of the show about awards did not happen. All I reason, the only reason I wanted to do that whole segment, Foxsmith, was so we could just call this podcast uh, The Golden Brown. We've done that. We've got through the episode. Yeah, we could really call it. We could just call it a brown out. Well, it's, it, I was really paying homage to Martin Malloy with the Brown album from, from years back. Um, that was pure comedy. This has been pure... Uh, brown. Yes, brown. That's a good way of putting it. Cocksmith, where can people find you? 
can find me at Instagram, R-A-W-B-C-O-X, and uh, also on Twitter. I don't tweet too much, so come on over to Instagram and swear at me. Call me names, I don't mind. Now, I haven't jumped on Instagram yet tonight, but I'm assuming there's a picture of Josh Manser on there by now. Uh, I don't know. There's definitely pictures uh, up on the uh, NRL side of um, Josh Mansour, but I didn't put one up. I put one up of Clemmer today, a uh, black and white one of Clemmer spraying his face with a with a, a bottle of water. Um, but I'll tell you what, was I'm actually very excited. I'm very Ooh. excited heading into round 14. It's not a split round, correct? Correct. Right. So we've got. Um, when do Parramatta play? Give me a second, and I'll tell you. So tonight it's Sunday night, 10.45pm. Just, just, just talk about yourselves. Parramatta play against... Um, oh, someone's going to Alice Spring, uh, to, to Darwin. Mm-hmm. You're going not to me. Darwin, Sunshine? No, not me. Oh. I think Chucky is. Chuck's to Graham. Oh, I was, I was getting excited for you for a second. They play the Cowboys on uh, Saturday night. Saturday night. So they've got six days to teach Mitchell Moses how to tackle. Brilliant. <laughs> now, just uh, if we rewind just 10 minutes ago, people... Remember, Cocksmith was giving excuses why Tui here couldn't tackle. You know, this reason and that reason. But it gets back to Mitchell Moses. And I'm going to call out uh, Greg Porteous here because he's he's aware that Rob Cox changed his mind on Mitchell Moses like it's going out of business. Make your mind up, um, Rob, oh, okay, Rob okay. Moses I'm Cox. It, I'm going to lay it bare here, right? And <laughs> I know we've only got one minute left in this um, podcast. I'm going to lay it bare. I think Mitchell Moses is a great attacker, uh, he can kick the ball really well sometimes, um, and he's he's definitely got a mind for attack. But unfortunately, this is an NFL, and you've got to tackle as well. And a, a 5'8", spending his time out, or a halfback, whatever he is these days, spending his time out on the wing in defence is a waste. It's a waste, and it shouldn't happen in modern rugby league. You're either, you're either a halfback or you're a winger. Which one is it? You know, and I know that wingers don't get paid the, the superstar money that, that Mitchell Moses wants. With the ball in his hands or with the ball at his feet, Mitchell Moses is a very, very good player. But you've got to tackle. I'll tell you what, kids. If that was Mitchell Moses's scouting report before he signed his deal with Parramatta, he would have got about a third as much money as he ended up getting because Cocksmith has laid it bare and he's laid it true. You uh, agree? I agree with you, mate. I, I, I'm not a fan. I think he is a flighty player. Um, he's one of those players that requires the game to be going in his direction for him to be effective. And um, don't worry, there are a lot of players who built long, successful, representative careers on the back of that. I'm not going to say their names here, tackle, but mate. I just want to see him be an effective defender. That's all I want to see. I just want to, if he could become an effective defender, okay. He is on then on the on the way to being a complete player. Until he can effectively defend, he is not a complete player. He's a flash in the pan. That's all there is to it. And I'm going to do a parallel here for people as we wrap up the show. Jonathan Thurston has never been a great defender, but Jonathan Thurston is willing to put his body in the line to make the tackle. And you know what that's turned him into, Cocksmith? Oh, one of the best of all time. And one of the better defenders in the halves that there is because he's willing yeah. to he's willing to throw himself in there. He's willing to go down low and make yeah. that tackle. And if he comes up with and, a stuffed and, and shoulder, people, that's the way it is. People will argue that, that Mitchell Moses is small and, and slightly built. No. I reckon he and Jonathan would be about the same weight. They're probably mid eighty kilos. Mid mid to maybe you know, 86, 87, 88 kilos. Um, that they'd be very similar builds. Um, Jonathan might have a little bit more man muscle on him because he's a bit older, but um, at the same time, uh, Mitchell Mitchell should be able to tackle. 
It's I, I think it's sad. I, 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 you know, I mean, I know that it's difficult. I know having big, strong, athletic blokes, 110 plus kilos, running at you, isn't fun. I know it. I get it. Okay. Um, I never played at NRL level, but I understand what it's like. Um, uh, but you, you know, if you want to play, if you want to play NRL, you you got to tackle. I mean, that's all there is to it. Uh, I, I really hope he overcomes it because um, uh, he's going to need to do something because mate, they just, you know, it, it puts him off his game. You can see it. Mm-hmm. You can see it. That you know, the, the yeah. Anyway, that's that's all. I'm 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 trying. I'm going to try and not bang on about Mitchell every week. Um, uh, the one thing I will bang on about is when he does some good stuff, which I did on Instagram last week. He had a much better game last week. Uh, previous to this one, um, but this week um, again he got caught in defence, and I think that's going to be a bit of a common theme going on until they can change something about his defence. Indeed, and that's been episode 107 of the Footy Show. I didn't think we had a single single thing to talk about before we started this episode. Mm. Um, we're wrapped we're, up. We've got something. Mate. Well, we do. We, we'll, we just find a way to, to just gibber on with the best of them. You can follow me on Twitter at NRL Tweet. Jump on the Facebook page and give us some love. It's facebook.com slash NRL podcast. And please keep the iTunes uh, reviews coming. They are always very much appreciated. Cocksmith, I believe you, uh, in, in your three days at ANZ Stadium, did you um, happen to uh, use any special clothing through that period? Clothing? Mate, you caught me now. What have I done? <laughs> well, I, I, I was thinking of the prize for the iTunes reviews, but, you know. Ah, ah. No, I didn't wear I didn't wear any of the uh, the the clothing, um, uh, but I may or may not have it on now. No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, no, I, I didn't wear any special clothing, mate. Have you washed them? Yes, I have. Okay, so so what we're saying, people, is that it's it's getting to that point. What time did you say that you would re- announce the winner? Do you remember? No, I don't. When did I say? I don't remember either, but we'll uh, tell you that in the next episode of Not The Footy Show. Uh, it's been Warwick Nicholson here. Rob Cox. And yeah. I think we ran out of time for the music. I think we replayed the music about seven different times. So there you go, Luke Porter. Hope you enjoyed it. Everybody, please enjoy your week of rugby league. Uh, we get a full round this weekend, and then it's back into that that beast that basically makes all NRL football redundant, which is origin number two. We'll speak to you next time on Not The Footy Show. Not The Footy Show. I couldn't let go without Mitchell, mate. That's right. I had to do it. I just couldn't let go. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let him go. Let him go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let him go. Let him go. Turn away and slam the door. That's what I say. Oh, let him go. Let him go. Let the storm rage on. Cold never bothered me anyway. Let him go. That's what I say. Now, it's Brock Lamb, Newcastle, still to be tackled in Melbourne's 20 in this game. 55 and a half minutes gone. It's Gagai. He throws the ball towards the 20 metre line. Now, Barnett kicks. And still will wait. Josh Adokar has it and he almost gets away. Can you believe it? They are still to be tackled in Melbourne's 20. Cannot believe that Newcastle have yet to be tackled 
in the 20 metre zone of the Melbourne Storm, and just when we thought they were about to be, Barnett, of all players, puts a kick in. And that's the special. Pepsi.